following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. So, uh, I grew up in church. If you've been around Artisan long enough to hear me preach occasionally, you know that about me. Uh, I grew up in a kind of -of run-of-the-mill evangelical church, like a lot of you did. Not all of you, but a lot of you. And when I... uh, became a teenager and started going to youth group, the, the way that faith was talked about started to change a little bit. Did any of you have this experience? Where before it was, um, you know, it was, all, it was maybe, maybe understood or expected that you could come to faith in Jesus, that you could turn your life over to him or invite him into your heart or whatever language would have been used. But when you get to adolescence in a church like that, and I think this actually makes sense. Please understand I'm not disparaging my past entirely. Um, But when you get to adolescence in a a church like that, the expectation begins to become that you uh, actually grow in your faith. You internalize it, you start to own it and make it meaningful to you in in a new and fresh kind of way. Um, which again is good. I think that's absolutely the way it should be. And lots of churches, even ones that are not in that same stream of faith, have ways of acknowledging as children become adolescents that you know, things are different, whether it's confirmation or whatever it might be. Um, but when I'm thinking, for the purposes of what I'm thinking about right now, uh, I'll just say this. In addition to all the other ways that being 12 is, was kind of awkward for me, <laughs> um, suddenly faith became a little bit um, awkward and confusing too. And so we had uh, uh, the expectation that you would do things in a certain way. Let's call them check boxes. Nobody put a list in front of me with check boxes on it, but there were some check boxes, and you needed to check them off every day. Anybody have this experience? Every day you have to do what? You have to pray, and you have to read your Bible, and if it's Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night, you have to go to church. And in addition to that, you have to... Well, that was pretty much it. As far as things you had to do, there's a long, lot longer list of things you, you don't do. But as far as things you had to do, you're supposed to do, is basically pray, read your Bible, go to church. Repeat. Right? Is this ringing true for anybody who grew up in a church like mine? Yeah, okay. Praying and reading your Bible... And going to church are wonderful things. But for me, that was the extent of my spiritual life. As I grew into adolescence and early adulthood and started, to, and I was trying to find a way to make this my own. That was, those were the three tools I had in my toolbox. A little bit later in life, I learned about many, many, many other spiritual disciplines, like fasting and meditation and deeper study and uh, some of the outward disciplines like service and simplicity and so forth. And in addition to learning later in life that there's more to the spiritual life than just these three checkboxes, I also learned uh, one particular spiritual practice which became the most kind of meaningful and important one that I think I've ever encountered in my spiritual life. Um, and what's 
one of the things that's, that's great about it is that it allows you to, if you were concerned with checking off the boxes, it allows you to check off two of the boxes at one time. Because it's a discipline that involves both scripture reading and prayer. And what I want to do this morning is share this with you. Uh, now, if you've been an artist in a long time, you already know what this is. We do this maybe once or twice a year. It's called Lectio Divina. It's a Latin expression. I'll explain it to you in a minute. We do this once or twice a year, although I think it might have been a little bit longer than that since the last time we did it at Artisan. And so for some of you, this will be the first time you've not only ever done this, but even ever heard of it. I want to let you know that I'm going to walk you through it step by step. You don't have to be worried. Um, there will be an opportunity to share a little bit about your experience out loud if you want to, but it's entirely possible and actually probably more likely that you will have your own personal experience um, and you don't have to say anything or do anything special. It's not going to be too weird. It might be different. It's not going to be too weird. For those of you who have done this before, I hope this will be a, um, meaningful for you as well. I think it will be uh, <clears throat> because to me, the beautiful thing about Lexio Divina is that it's, uh, it's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak through the scriptures in a new way every time. And not only is it that, but every time you... Every time you choose a new text, it's a, it's a blank slate. But actually, you could do the same text over and over again and still have a different experience depending on what's going on in your own life, what's running through your head, the conversations that are happening in your head. Doug asked us to reduce it to one a minute ago. I think that was a really astute way to say um, what needed to be said in that moment. So, uh, without uh, further ado, what I want to do is take you through this. And Lexio Divina is a Latin phrase. It means sacred reading, right? And uh, it, what happens is we'll read the text four times. Each time we read it, we'll have a different intention and a different focus. All right? And each one of the readings has a fancy Latin name too. And so you know it's really good because it's Latin. Right? Uh, and this is, as, again, it's a chance for the Spirit to speak to you individually through this text. This is beautiful in two ways, because it's an individual thing. Right? The Spirit may speak to you something entirely different than it does speak to me or to somebody else in the room. But, as we kind of embrace this exercise together, it also becomes communal, precisely in the, in the same way that it is individual, because we hear from each other and we get to recognize, wow, God works in someone else's heart just like in mine except not just like. It's different. So the passage, if you want to go to it, is from John chapter 12. Um, uh, Is it 12 or 11? I can't remember. I think it's 12, 37 through 50. I'll figure it out in a second here. Yeah, 12. So again, we'll do four readings here. Now, if you were doing this in um, a monastery or uh, in a cloistered setting or some kind of uh, place where you had more time to do this, it would be more than just reading the passage once for each of those four things, right? What you would do is you would have a, um, a period of time in which you read the passage over and over again from this particular focus, the first one, and then you move on to the second one and the third one, and the fourth one. So right now, this is going to take us just a few minutes uh, to get through, because we're going to read the passage just one time for each of the readings. But uh, if you want to practice this on your own, especially as you get a little bit better at it, have a little bit more experience with it, 
I would encourage you to stretch that out and make the reading, each reading, each uh, one be uh, several readings. Does that make sense? I feel like I rambled a little bit with that. But. All right. So the first section of Lectio Divina is just called Lectio, right? which is the word for reading. Okay? And in this first reading, I'll read it aloud, and you can follow along in, in the printed Bible if you want, or you can simply listen, or kind of some of both, whatever works for you. I usually tell people in this first reading, what I want you to do is comprehend, all right, observe what's going on in the passage and try to f- sort of figure out not what it means, but what's happening. And the other thing that's very helpful in this first reading to do is to um, look for a word or a phrase that seems to rise to the top a little bit. I sometimes use the word glow. Like if a word glows for you, that's not going to, I don't think anyway, it's not going to have literally glow on the page. If it does, please let me know. I want some of what you are having. <laughs> um, but I think it will probably uh, be more like, oh, that's interesting. That word appears a bunch of times or that word seems to be speaking to me particularly through it, right? Um, And so I'm going to read this once, and then I'll give you a moment to kind of collect your thoughts afterward. This is the first reading, Lexio, comprehension and looking for keywords and phrases. Although he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And so they could not believe, because Isaiah also said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, so that they might not look with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw his glory and spoke about him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human glory more than the glory that comes from God. Then Jesus cried aloud, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me should not remain in the darkness. I do not judge anyone who hears my words and does not keep them. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. On the last day, the word that I have spoken will serve as judge. For I have not spoken on my own, But the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment about what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. But I speak, therefore, I speak just as the Father has told me. So take a moment and kind of ponder and and collect your experience from that first reading. So when we do this publicly, this is what I do. After each of the readings, I ask if anybody would like to share 
briefly what your experience was with that reading. And so uh, specifically, I would like to know if a word or phrase did rise to the top or glow a little bit for you, what that was. So at this point, if you want to, you can just shout out a word. Yeah, George. Believe. Believe. Anybody else have believe as a word that rose to the top for you? Might? Light. Light. Thank you. Judge. Did you both say glory at the same time? I want some of what you're having. (laughs) Wow. So you can begin to see, even from just those four or five words... How, what might be happening is that the Holy Spirit is, is, is beginning a journey with each one of you that you need today. This is the beautiful thing about Lectio Divina is that God speaks to you through the text in a unique and fresh way. And it speaks to each one of us in a different way. So, let's move on to the second reading. Uh, the second reading, meditatio, right? Who can guess what this word means in Latin? It means meditation, right? Um, but meditation is sort of a broad term that can mean lots of different things. It means different things in Western religious traditions than it does in Eastern religious traditions. And even in, within those traditions, it means different things there. So what this means is that you are, uh, you're really beginning to ponder the passage, Whereas in the first reading, I just wanted you to grasp what was going on. Now you can begin to, to wonder about what's going on. You might, might notice a question, like, hmm, why did that happen? And as you read through, uh, <clears throat> as we read through together this second reading, if you have a word or a phrase that's already risen to the top for you, notice where that word appears. It might be more than once, it might be just the one time. Notice where it appears in the story, what seems to be happening there. And begin to think about what is the significance of that word or that phrase in this place in the story. Does that make sense? Sometimes uh, spiritual directors will use the image of a cow uh, chewing its cud. Right? There is a, um, I don't remember exactly what it is, but there's a linguistic connection between this. Rumination, that's what it is, right? We're going to ruminate on this. And that, that word comes from the, the thing about an animal kind of chewing its cut. It's turning it over and over in its mouth, right? That's what we're going to do with the text. We're going to chew on it a little bit. Gnaw on it, okay? All right. This is uh, the second reading, Meditatio. And I'll read it and then give you a few minutes to process. Although he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And so they could not believe, because Isaiah also said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, so that they might not look with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw his glory and spoke about him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human glory more than the glory that comes from God. Then Jesus cried aloud, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. 
And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me should not remain in the darkness. I do not judge anyone who hears my words and does not keep them, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. On the last day, the word that I have spoken will serve as judge. For I have not spoken on my own, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment about what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I speak, therefore, I speak just as the Father has told me. So turn that over for a few minutes. So once again, I wonder if anybody would be willing to share it. It gets a, requires a little bit more bravery at this point, but somebody in the room surely would, be like, would like to do this. What was your experience in this second reading? You may have to let us in on what the word was in the first reading, or maybe you didn't have one and you still had a good experience with this. Maybe it's a confusing experience. You want to share that? That's totally okay. In fact, it might make the person two aisles over from you who is having a very confusing experience feel a little bit better. <laughs> Um, so what, what realizations did you come to? What questions came up that you couldn't figure out? What were you turning over and over in your mind as you ruminated on this passage? Dan. That's a good way to describe it. It's confusing, it's weird, it's not profound. That's sometimes the experience for this. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Brenda, is that... So the having your eyes closed and your heart heart hardened, but ultimately when we want to see, we have to see with our hearts, which is a deeper type of sight. It's a spiritual sight. We sang a song earlier that refers to that same kind of thing. Yeah. Thank you. Like a healing. Thank you. Yes.
Yeah. So the idea that people saw Jesus performing miracles, John uses the word signs, which is why when we went through this for the first several chapters, we called it signs of faith. Uh, and yet didn't believe in him. And how, how often do we see evidence of Jesus at work in our world and, and it doesn't, I mean, we don't recognize it doesn't cause a deeper belief. Yeah, Mike. So for the disciples, as for, we know it's sort of true for us, but for the disciples who saw these miracles was belief binary and it was like, didn't believe, now they believe completely or is there a lot of gray area for them as well as there sometimes is for us. Um, I've often wondered if they, if they saw the miracle and like had this amazing level of belief and then as time got further away, like, what? was that really wine that he turned into the... Was the water just, was, maybe there was some wine in the pot when they put the water in it. I don't know. It was a long time ago. There was a lot of wine that night. That kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Good. Thank you. Uh, yeah, one more and then we'll go on to the next one. No, yeah, go ahead. Nevertheless, one of the great words of faith, especially when it's placed right after stories of unbelief. Nevertheless, I've been through so much in my life. It's beaten me around and knocked me down. Nevertheless, yeah. Was there somebody who really wanted to share and didn't get to? Was that a noise I heard earlier? Yeah, go ahead. Interesting. So you can't believe without seeing, but just because you see doesn't mean you'll necessarily believe. Yeah. Yes, one of the great mysteries of faith. How much of how much of us being able to believe is voluntary versus faith? Yeah. Uh, ver- or grace, I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Um, we, let's move on to the next one because I think we're going to be a little short on time here. I was wondering at the beginning, because I, I did Lectio Divina with this passage uh, this morning just to kind of prepare for this. And then suddenly I was like, oh, I have a sermon too now. <laughs> um, 
Uh, I'm not going to have time to share it at the end, so maybe we could talk afterward, but I want to make sure that we get through all four of these stages and have you, you have a chance to interact a little bit. The third stage is oratio. Does anybody know what uh, oratio means? It's on the screen. You know what it is. It means prayer. Uh, I'm a graduate of Roberts Wesleyan College. The, the motto is ora et labora, pray and work, which I, I rather like. Um, <clears throat> oratio is prayer. Now, Growing up, the checkbox, remember the checkbox? Prayer was, dear God, five blank lines, <laughs> sincerely, <laughs> me, right? or in Jesus' name, amen. Right? <clears throat> We're monologuing at God, okay, that's what prayer was. Prayer is not this one-way street. Prayer must involve listening as well. Now, it may be that after these two readings and in this third reading, all you want to do is shout at God. That's okay. Do it. It may be that you have no idea what's going on and you just want to sit and listen. That's prayer too. It counts as prayer. There's very likely going to be a little bit of both. Okay? So, Orazio, the third reading. We'll read this text and then give you a minute to process it. Although he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And so they could not believe, because Isaiah also said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, so that they might not look with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw his glory and spoke about him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human glory more than the glory that comes from God. Then Jesus cried aloud, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me should not remain in the darkness. I do not judge anyone who hears my words and does not keep them, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. On the last day, the word that I have spoken will serve as judge, for I have not spoken on my own, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment about what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I speak, therefore, I speak just as the Father has told me. So finish up your prayer and take a minute to do that. And once again, as we move into this third stage, this third reading becomes a little bit more personal and intimate. Intimate, excuse me. Nevertheless, perhaps somebody be willing to share what your experience was with prayer. What did you say? What did you hear?
Wow, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. A prayer about um, knowing when to speak aloud and not to be like one of those who believed but for fear didn't share aloud. And and then at the end, hearing uh, Jesus say that he speaks when and where the Father tells him. And it sounds like your prayer to God was sort of a, a promise to speak when, when God prompts you to speak. It's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, Ignacio. Man, did you hear what Ignacio said? How sometimes there's a prompting from the Spirit to pray for somebody or to ask for prayer or to, to check in with somebody, whatever it might be. And if you ignore that, the, what do you say, the shutter kind of closes a little bit and you see even less. But if you respond and uh, take up the responsibility of that response, then you begin to see even more. I think that is so insightful. What other prayers happened in the room during that reading? Yes, the prayer is thank you when you hear those words. I did not come to judge, but to save. And I like how you say it. there's a, we, we want to put a but there. <laughs> but the, even the but is more grace. So great. So great. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, um, <clears throat> you mentioned every time we come to that, you wanted to say thank you, God, right? And so sometimes this will happen. The, you'll be doing the first reading and you're, it always happens with the first reading that you're trying to move on to the second reading, right? You're supposed to just be understanding and looking for words and phrases and you're really, you're like going, what's happening here? I wonder what this is. I wonder what that Greek word might be if you're a nerd like me or, you know, where is Bethany in, in, the, in this land anyway? Those kind of questions. You have to sort of forgive yourself for that and then return your mind to the, the task at hand, right? Or the reading at hand. Now, I'm not going to tell you not to pray through the whole thing, but... Um, it, it, it's normal. Just know that that's normal and don't get frustrated with yourself. As you do it more and more, you kind of begin to compartmentalize a little bit better. Uh, and then at the end of it, you realize the whole thing is the whole thing. It's very kind of beautiful and paradoxical. So the last reading, the fourth reading, I always say is for me the most difficult one. Contemplatio simply means contemplation. And the idea is that you rest and relax in the text. Whatever has happened in the first three readings has, might have been difficult and confusing and challenging. And now all of a sudden we're supposed to just sort of sit under a tree with the Bible and the Holy Spirit and just 
go, yay, God, it's very, very hard for me to shut off the parts of my brain that want to race and figure things out and jump to application and all that stuff. This reading is simply you sitting with God and with this text and breathing it in a little bit. And if you find your mind racing, once again, forgive yourself. Return your mind to the task at hand, which is simply to contemplate your experience. Fourth and final reading. Although he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. This was to fulfill the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And so they could not believe, because Isaiah also said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so that they might not look with their eyes, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw his glory and spoke about him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess it for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human glory more than the glory that comes from God. Then Jesus cried aloud, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me should not remain in the darkness. I do not judge anyone who hears my words and does not keep them. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. On the last day, the word that I have spoken will serve as judge. For I have not spoken on my own, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment about what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I speak, therefore, I speak just as the Father has told me. Take a minute or two and to complete that process of contemplation. So, who would like to share what your experience was with this reading? This one which... For me, as I said, is difficult. Maybe for you, it was very easy. Um, I'd love to hear that too, and I want I want some of what you're having. <laughs> I want to know how that works for you. But um, yeah, move. Reflecting on the crucifixion and Jesus' words in that moment, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Isn't it beautiful how the, your mind can be carried to another part of Scripture in this process too? Which is why we should do this kind of thing more and more so that our understanding and our awareness of different Scriptures broadens so that it's kind of available to the Spirit to point it out to us. Who else would like to share about this contemplatio step? Anybody else want to sort of sheepishly raise your hand and say, this one was really hard, I didn't quite get it? 
Nobody's sheepishly, one, one person may be sheepishly raising their hand. Yeah. Okay. The rest of you didn't raise your hand. You had a very clear experience. Please tell, it. tell me. I'm, <laughs> I need your help. Yeah, Paul. Jesus just say, is it more important that you believe in me or more important that you believe in what God has to say? Now that's a question that you could sit under the tree with for a long time. Did you want to say? I just thought that it was difficult to relax because what I had come up with requires action. Mm. Difficult to relax when what you've come up with in the previous three readings is something that requires action. Yeah. Uh, if I had gone and done my little mini-sermon and shared my own experience with this this morning, it would have been about this tension between belief and action. Something that's been placed on my heart recently. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, Brenda, did you want to share assurance that what Jesus is saying is coming from the Father, so you have permission to accept it. I like that. Thank you for sharing that. That has to be the last word for now. I'm sorry that we've gone quite a bit over time. Uh, I don't know where the time went, but um, I love doing this in community with you. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences. And um, look forward with me, will you please, to the fall when we're going to do more of this kind of thing, not necessarily on Sundays, but we're going, to, we're going to be going deeper in our understanding of Scripture and in our practice of prayer for the purpose of transitioning from belief to action. Scripture, prayer, and service will be what we're all about for the coming ministry year. And so you'll hear more about that real soon, but please look forward to that ahead. Look ahead to that with me, will you please? Um, <clears throat> I want to invite you now to come and take communion together. This great sacrament of the church, Jesus' body and blood offered for you, uh, we offer to you today at an open table. Um, If you're seeking to follow Jesus in this place, this is for you to come and receive. Um, Del is coming up. She's a member of our prayer team. If you'd like to receive personal prayer, you can receive prayer right here under the cross with Del. Um, If you're not a person of faith, not a believer, and you'd rather just kind of sit and observe, that's okay too. Um, You can ponder and think and and watch and pray. Uh, But let nothing stop you from coming. If you're seeking to follow Jesus, this table is open for you now. Um, Let's continue to worship him. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.